Thank you for joining Bevel Talk, Season 10, Episode 2. Impact of COVID on pipelines, the future of pipelines, and in-canal clad welding. Take a journey into the pipeline trenches of yesterday while looking to the future with the help of mechanized welding on the right-of-way. Paul Spielbauer of Lake Superior Consulting brings insights into the inherent challenges of pipeline welding and brings success by incorporating tribal knowledge into today's world. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Bevel Talk. Thanks for joining with us. We've got Paul Spielbauer back with us again. Paul's with Lake Superior Consulting. How you doing, Paul? I'm awesome. Good. So I want to talk a little bit more in depth on what's, um, what's been going on. Let's talk about the impact of COVID on the industry, projects, companies, timelines. What are you seeing in your consulting work? Yeah, so it's it's been really interesting. So um, one of the things that I do is I've got a group of NDE auditors that I work with. And, you know, when COVID hit, it, it was really odd because it was like, man, how are we going to deal with this? Uh, luckily, the company I work for, Shawcore LSC, you know, I think they did a really good job of keeping employees informed and keeping everybody up to date, you know, informing us, you know, that, hey, we're in the oil and gas industry. We're, we're critical infrastructure employees and helping us out and giving us the tools that we needed to deal with it, you know? And so for me all summer long, pretty much from mother's day all the way up really until the middle of September, I was traveling constantly and flying and it was an interesting experience, especially, you know, the very first flight, you know, you'd been in kind of that lockdown phase prior to that mother's day for quite a while. And getting on a plane was a little bit nerve wracking to be honest, but you know, after the first flight, once you realize, Hey, mask up, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, take common sense precautions and everything worked out and uh, different stuff too. You know, a lot of project sites now they're not doing the big, you know, tailgate meetings, group safety meetings. They're doing them in smaller groups, you know, making sure that people are social distancing, that type of stuff. And, you know, I think as long as people are willing to follow the basic recommendations, you know, these projects can go on safely and still work and make some common sense changes like, Hey, does a guy need to go into an office trailer in a yard to review film? Or can he just swing by, somebody throws the film in the backseat of his vehicle, and he goes back to his own camper and works and reviews the film out of his camper versus the office trailer where everybody's at? Stuff like that. Right. It's it's adapting, right? We begin to understand more, and we've adapted to be able to continue moving forward. Yep. So now I want I want to talk about What's the biggest threat you see to the industry? What What's on the horizon that, that could be unforeseen challenges for us? You know, the, for me, the biggest threat is um, a lot of these major projects are facing huge uh, public and regulatory scrutiny, um, facing a lot of uh, litigation that is really hurting the progress of these pipelines, you know. And for me, it's frustrating because I truly believe that, you know, we need oil and gas pipelines to make sure that we have a stable energy supply and then things like natural gas can be a bridge to a greener future and be a great source to help lower our carbon footprint even if it is carbon intensive in some ways so when i see you know the groups that are just trying to halt and kill these pipelines off it just it, it hurts me you know it's like i feel like it's short-sightedness right it's it's all or nothing on their part and you're not willing to take a look and see how 
hey, a lot of the work we're doing, this can play into a greener future if you want that. And what the world needs is that probably and really is needing it. But, you know, we got to be a realist about where does our energy come from today? You know, how much can we actually produce from, you know, alternative technologies versus these huge assets that we have here in our country in the USA of oil and natural gas, you know, cheap, readily available energy for our country is a huge bonus to us. Right. And, you know, I think we got to be willing to take advantage of it and use it in the right way to get us to a greener future. Right. We've got it. We've got to use it as a stepping stone. That's it. You know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, right? Because, you know, there are points in time where, you know, there's some development projects that I agree should be stopped. But then at other times, you know, I'm on the, the shoes on the opposite foot, right? And I'm like, going, gosh, why, why, why are they so against this pipeline? You know, why do people hate this thing so much? You know? Yeah, it's, it's, a, diff- it's, a, difficult, it's a difficult situation for all sides, right? Because we're trying to do what we know or what we think is best. And yeah. without knowing the future, right, it's always going to be a little difficult. Yeah. And, and it kills me too. You know, you and I talked about our families a little bit and, you know, I think about the thousands of men and women who are employed on these projects, right. That, you know, th- these are good paying jobs. These are good people, you know, and you know, when a permit gets pulled or challenged in a court and all of a sudden, Hey, guess what? That job that you thought you were going to work on this year, it's been canceled. It's done. We don't know when it's going to happen or it just gets scrapped altogether. It just makes me sick to think of those people losing out on work and income. Meet critical deadlines and help address the welder shortage with wire processes delivered from the ArcReach Smart Feeder. Join other industry leaders that are converting to regulated metal deposition from Miller for welding in the field and reap the benefits. One thing I I want to ask that I, I try to ask of all of our guests is, one, what's the most challenging project you've worked on or what's the most challenging thing you've overcome in your career? And then what's been the most satisfying thing that you've done in your career? Oh man, that's a good one. So for me, I, you know, I, I really enjoy the, the challenging hard things because I try to have the attitude of if I went some, through something that was really hard, really difficult, I know that, you know, in the future, anything of that same level of difficulty won't seem as difficult to me. I think probably one of the most challenging projects that I was involved with was um, Deep Golf Energy Kodiak. It was a uh, spool-based project, uh, carbon steel, Inconel clad, with one of the tightest acceptance criteria that I have ever seen in the pipeline welding industry. I mean, we were talking like zero concavity in the route. Um, they were using a visual inspection camera inside and they were making calls that were extremely subjective. Like, Oh, Hey, I think I might see something in a shadow here. Cut that weld out. And it was just mind boggling. Right. And you know, the project you would, you would think you've got things lined out, you know, everything be going good. And I remember, you know, it was at a time in my life where I had a six week old child, you know, and, president of the company said, Hey, we're sorry. You, you, you gotta go, you gotta be there. And so I went, thought I got it, everything lined out. So I hopped on a plane and flew back to Houston and I get off the plane and my phone just is exploding. Like with messages, they had had a shift of work that just went to crap, man. I mean, it just went right down the toilet, cut out after cut out, 
you know, I think they maybe produced 12 joints in 12 hours, you know, it was terrible. Oh. And I mean, the, the, the VP of a major oil and gas company is just screaming in voicemails at me. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And so packed up my wife and six week old son and boogied on over to Mobile, Alabama and threw them in a hotel. And I went to work for usually, you know, you were there for the 12 hour shift. You wanted to see the next shift get started. You were usually there, you know, before you got onto your shift to find out how production improves. And so you're working, you know, 14, 15 hours a day. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, after the first night I was there with my kid, a bunch of guys were like, who has that screaming baby in the hotel? And I'm like, that's mine. That's my six-week-old son. <laughs> you try sleeping in the room with him and then coming in here for 14 hours a day. Yeah, that, that project, when it was finally finished and, you know, that pipeline was on the reels and off to the golf for getting tied in was a very happy moment for me. You know, that was a tough project. That was probably the toughest. It always seems that the really hard ones stick out, but they're typically also the most satisfying because you're like, yeah, I did do that or we, we did get over that. We yeah, we were doing out. some super cool stuff on that project, you know, like uh, root profile was one of the biggest things that was killing us, right? So we were doing stuff with like trying to, you know, um, we were using the, the CMT process from Fronius to put in the root pass. Um, and so if we had excess pen or lack of pen, we were really right on the ragged edge. So like we were developing stuff where we were actually blowing argon onto the root pass to try and chill it and lock it in place and playing around with all sorts of fun stuff, you know, to try and improve our root pass profile. Um, that were unique. And we were to the point where, you know, we were just throwing Hail Marys to try and figure it out. And later on, when we went to go develop some new technology around, you know, ink and clad welding, it, all that would play into it and be a huge driver for how we approached our new development and really change the way we were wanting to do it. Because we realized, hey, if we want to take the next step, the status quo that had been in existence for the last, you know, 10 years ain't going to cut it we got to do something totally different. And so when we developed a new internal welding system for Inconel, we went a whole new way and it was out of that project, right? We learned from it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's one of the things about taking on and tackling um, difficult challenges is that you get to carry it forward at the mm -hmm. next one, right? You get to carry the knowledge. Yeah, it with goes you. back to that tribal knowledge we were talking about, right? Exactly. So, I have one more question for you, Paul, and it's it's probably one of the bigger questions that I get. And with all the changes that happen in industry and all of the ramifications of making changes, quality, safety, productivity, etc., mm -hmm. how do you as a consultant or how do companies and contractors go about making changes to, to welding processes or welding equipment or welding wire and gas combinations. How does that all work in a pipeline industry? You know, really for me, um, I think it's got to come from the ground up, right? You got to get buy-in from the men and women who are actually going to be using that product and show them the value in using it. Um, if not, you're going to be facing an uphill battle the whole way, but you know, if you can show them like, Hey, you're going to get massive production rates out of this. You know, you're going to get a easier weld to put in. Um, 
that's going to be the biggest driver for me is, is getting buy-in for the people who are actually going to use that equipment and taking the time to explain to them the value of it and why you're doing it. You know, I, I've never been a fan of the engineer that walks in and just says, oh, we're going to do it this way. And when someone asks why, it's because that's what the specification says and that's what we're going to do. You know, explain, you know, hey, you know, we're working on, you know, materials that have X, Y, and Z properties, and we need to make sure that we can reliably hit those targets. And our best chance of doing it is by going in, selecting this equipment and wire combination, or by applying the weld in such a pattern and technique that we know that it's going to give us the best chance of success at producing a sound weld. And when you take the time to step back and explain to all the stakeholders in the project about why we selected a technology or how a new technology is going to go ahead and improve what you're doing. I think that's a big benefit. You know, every welder out there, I think for the most part takes huge pride in their work. Right. And if you explain how a new tool is going to help them produce the best quality weld, they're going to get on board with it. Exactly. And, and I think you're exactly right that the men and women of the welding industry do take great pride in their work. They, they recognize that when they do it right, it lasts and it can last a lifetime. And when, when it's done improperly, it just won't last. It won't be able to remain in service like it should. That's it. You know, uh, three weeks ago, I got an opportunity to go out and do some integrity assessments. And it was on a pipeline from 1941. And it was, it was amazing to see some of the welds that were in that line from 70 plus years ago. You know, it was really cool. That is pretty amazing. Well, Paul, thank you so much for all of your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks to our listeners for listening. We hope you join us next time on Bevel Talk.